Hi, my name is Andrea. I'm one of the listeners of this podcast, and I live in Springfield, Missouri. I work as a Global Human Resources Director for a faith-based nonprofit organization. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Smiling at the Future podcast. My name is Christy Rose, and this is my pursuit to glean practical wisdom on femininity, homemaking, finances, relationships, and singleness from the God-fearing women in my life. Hope you enjoy this journey with me as we learn to smile at the future. Hey, and welcome back to the Smiling at the Future podcast. The topic today on chronic illness is one that I've had high on my list to cover on this podcast back when I was not even recording these episodes yet. I was just jotting down ideas of things I wanted to cover, so this is definitely very near and dear to my heart. And I'm going to ask a favor of you, the listeners, if you're not walking through this kind of trial, would you share this episode with someone you know who is going through this? I've been praying that God would lead the women to this episode that he knows needs this unique kind of encouragement, and you can help put feet to those prayers by sharing it with those suffering in your life. I'm interviewing a friend named Heather Copey today, who also graduated from my alma mater, the Master's University. She is married, has one son, and brings such a positive and hopeful perspective on this topic of chronic illness. And so without further ado, here is my conversation with Heather. Well, Heather, I'm just so honored and privileged that you would come on the podcast today and share on a topic that is just a little more personal and it's a little more sensitive, but I know that this is a topic that resonates with a lot of women. seems like the more women that I speak with, the more I find out that just health issues in general are pretty common. And so I'm hoping that our conversation will encourage those ladies who find themselves in that trial and also would be a good resource for the friends of someone who's going through um, a difficult health situation, that they would be able to come alongside them and support them and encourage them in the ways that they need that support. But before we launch into all the questions today, I would love for you to share about yourself with the listeners and about your own health journey. Yes, and thank you so much for inviting me to speak. Um, My name is Heather Copey, and yeah, I think it was probably at the end of 2013. I had just finished six years on the mission field, and I was Um, It was high energy. Um, I really didn't take care of myself. It was more just kind of giving it all to God sort of (laughs) was the theme, I guess. And I found myself burning out in 2013. I was starting to get very weak and shaky, forgetful, moody, those kinds of things. And then at the end of that year, I got bit by a tick and I got Lyme disease. And that really made it super hard. I would pass out just randomly. It was just really, really hard. So obviously my church brought me back to the States <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, I just rest up for a few weeks and then I'll be good to go. And um, really, you know, <laughs> it took four years of 
just being in bed all the time. I was in pain. It was just really, really difficult. And obviously the doctor's appointments and you know, every other week I had blood draws and treatments and um, it was quite a, quite an ordeal. And um, I'm excited about this podcast because I get to kind of rehash some of those things that God was showing me through that time and things I wish I knew ahead of time as well. And then currently God healed me in, I think it was 2018. And so I'm currently symptom free, but it was quite an ordeal. Um, And I'm really thankful for the time because of all the things I learned. And hopefully I can share some of that with you guys today. Yes. Thank you. And, you know, one thing that has stuck out to me, Heather, even though I don't know you super well, we've been Facebook friends for some time. And I have just been so encouraged by your positive outlook through your health trials. Your posts on Facebook were always joyful and hopeful and trusting in the Lord. And I think that is, that's really the attitude that I want the listeners to catch from you and from this episode, um, that even in a difficult situation, you can have the right perspective, the right attitude. and confidently trust where the Lord has you and what trial he's taking you through. Um, so that's why you're a pick in particular for this topic. And so I just really appreciate you sharing today. So with our first question, what specific verses and passages encouraged you in your health trials? So I went from being very energetic to one of my main symptoms was fatigue. And so I really gravitated a lot to the verses that talk about that, like strength and weakness and those kinds of things. And also, you know, where do, who do we go to? Who is our strength? And just being reminded of that. One of the big ones was Psalm 23, which, you know, we grow up learning about, And it doesn't resonate. It resonates in different ways, but man, when you're in bed and you're barely able to like get up and walk by yourself and you need assistance, it's just amazing what comes to light. So the verse in Psalm 23 that really resonated with me was verse two. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. So our shepherd I always thought that to love God and serve him was to pour out in very energetic ways. But um, it says here, like he makes us lie down in the English translation. It's, it's almost like he's forcing us to lie down and find those places of rest. So that was new to me. And then it goes on, you know, he's restoring our soul and he's, you know, showing us mercy and we'll, you know, dwell in his house forever. It's very peaceful and calming. Another one that again emphasizes rest, and because of course, when you have fatigue as one of your symptoms and you miss the days of kind of running around, <laughs> you know, Isaiah 30 15, for thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Again, the idea of just resting at the Lord, 
returning to him, quietness and just trusting him for strength. And then Isaiah 40, 31, and this was kind of my anthem, <laughs> my theme verse, but the, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And that was like one of the verses I prayed through, like, God, I pray it's for me. <laughs> and then I did study verses about the Sabbath. And the benefit, you know, God gave us the Sabbath to rest and focus on him. And that's something I wasn't really doing before. And I think God was like, hello, (laughs) it's time to really come to me and rest. And so just looking through, you know, Sabbath verses, I won't go through those. Another one that was, that was really good in the beginning when I was, first, you know, I was passing out and dizzy and super exhausted. I really loved the verse in first Kings 19, where it talks about, you know, Elijah after he, he kind of had this mountaintop experience defeating the prophets of Baal. And, and then, you know, there's a thread on his life and he kind of just, he kind of cracks and he, you know, Lord, take my life and just so exhausted and just weary and doesn't really want to go on. He thinks he's the only one. And, and God provides, you know, he sends, uh, well, in uh, chapter 17, there's ravens that he sends to feed Elijah, but that, you know, chapter 19, he's giving him, you know, a cake, (laughs) Um, just randomly. He's like, behold, you know, this angel and you know, as he's sleeping and he's hoping God takes his life, but an angel comes and I called it angel food cake when I was, <laughs> when I would study this and just God provides God. It's okay. It's okay to, to have those times where we just have to seek the Lord, like, God, I'm so tired, you know, help. And he wants to come to him. And then, you know, there's Romans eight eighteen you know, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed. Obviously, the focus of heaven, that's what this life is about. And if we can keep that in focus, yeah, the things of this world do fade. And then lastly, and I'm probably going to talk about this later too, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Part of my story is early on in my illness. I really did feel like I was losing my mind. I was kind of having I don't know if it was like out of body experiences or just being really detached from reality. My brain was having a hard time focusing and sort of grasping truth. And so I would just repeat that verse over and over trying to just hold on to like the peace of God and just praying. And that was so helpful, but yeah, I mean, there's so many verses, but those were, those were my favorites for sure. Thank you, Heather. Those are awesome reminders. It's good to be focusing on scripture, filling our heart with God's word and truth, because 
anyone who's in any trial, we don't want to waste that trial. We want to learn what God wants us to learn through that. And by focusing on scripture, that is going to help you to focus on the Lord and on what he's doing and raising your focus that way. And I loved how you even mentioned heaven as being a a real comfort and focus for you. And I went through some health issues early on in my life. When I was around 20, I developed a bad case of insomnia and there wasn't any real explanation for it. It was just, I just stopped being able to sleep very well. And when you're 20, you know, I was in college, I was working. And so I had to drop out of a lot of things and it was a really dark season for me. But one thing that brought me a lot of hope was heaven, studying heaven, focusing on heaven. I read the book Heaven by Randy Alcorn and that changed my whole perspective. I went from despair and depression to looking forward to what's to come to a place where there's no more night. (laughs) We're never going to have to try and sleep in heaven. And if you miss out on things in this life, you know, I missed out on a trip to Israel the year that I was suffering from insomnia. And, you know, when you're in an illness that has no explanation, you know, that can be pretty bleak when you look at your future. You just wonder, okay, am I ever going to lead a normal life if this is, if I can barely function, if I can't sleep? But knowing that no matter what you miss out on in this life, your true life begins in heaven. And that perspective shift in my own life was so pivotal for me to focus on that and to not feel like, you know, just because I was missing out on things now, the here and now, ultimately the real party starts in heaven. So yeah, I, and then the other passage that brought me great encouragement was second Corinthians four, 16 through 17. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And I just love that. Don't lose heart. God is doing something greater in your character, in your soul. His purposes are so far above ours, but we will praise God for the trials that he is taking us through right now. The ones we're complaining about someday will thank the Lord for why he did it that way in his infinite wisdom. So the next question on my list here is when you were single, what were specific ways friends encouraged you in your illness? And how would you encourage the friends of someone who's dealing with long-term health issues to come alongside and support them? Well, that is a great question. I actually look back on those years with some fondness because my friends really were great. I was super blessed to have a great support system. No judgment. I mean, they had no idea what was going on with me. I was diagnosed for most of the four years I was sick, undiagnosed. So they just didn't know. I'm like, <laughs> some of them would be like, when, when are you going to come back? And you know, when are you going to be healthy or able to do these things? I don't know, but you know, through it, they just, you know, wrap their arms around me. What was helpful was, you know, I was fine with them asking questions. I didn't get offended with 
them prying or anything like that. I'm pretty open about things anyway. So that was just my personal, you know, maybe my personality. So it didn't really offend me if they didn't understand. But the fact that even though they didn't understand what was happening to me, they made room for me. So if they wanted to hang out, you know, I couldn't drive. So then they would drive me and just be aware of, you know, there were a lot of things I couldn't eat. I had a hard time eating. So then they would make sure there was like Heather safe food around. And this one time my friend, one of my friends wanted to hang out. So she, you know, she said, well, why don't we go to this park? And, you know, we had a blanket out so I could lay down the whole time. And she just talked and no judgment, you know, she didn't pressure me to like take a walk around the park or anything. Um, she just had me lie down and rest. And as she talked, it was nice that I was still included, but a lot of times I couldn't be included, but my friends were very understanding that, you know, I, I wasn't able to say yes to everything and they didn't take it personally. So I was really grateful that I had friends stick around because <laughs> a lot of times I wouldn't return phone calls or text messages because I was too weak to even look at my phone a lot of days and, you know, they didn't take it personally. I mean, they understood that was God's mercy right there. And what I would suggest if you are a friend of someone dealing with health issues and you don't know how to be a part, pray and let them know that you're praying. That's really helpful. You know, show interest in what they're doing, be available, you know, be kind maybe slow down if they're wanting to hang out, you know, don't pick ice skating or something, <laughs> you know, pick some place, something, you know, where they can kind of just chill. And if they have to go home earlier than expected, or if they want you to leave earlier than you expected, you know, don't take it personally, just offer to stay connected in ways that they are still able to. That's just really helpful. It's not like you have to, you know, be a caregiver or something, just, you know, listening and things like that are really important. That's my suggestion. Yeah, those are great suggestions. And, you know, just being that faithful, loyal, long-term friend, because chronic illness is, it's a difficult thing to walk with someone through. Someone who's dealing with that is probably going to lose quite a few friendships because you're not going to be, like you said, able to do all the fun, energetic things and not be able to hang out as much. So just to be determined to be the friend who's going to stick by them through that and love them through that. And also just a few other tips that I think is going to be helpful is try to encourage them to laugh <laughs> because it's it can be such a weight on their shoulders. When you're dealing with health issues, it affects so many areas of your life but humor is still the best medicine. And if you can watch comedies with them or send them funny memes or funny cat videos or just whatever, you know, not in a superficial way, of course, they, you use tact. <laughs> but I think just not having every conversation be weighty and serious is helpful for the person. You know, they need someone to help lift them up in those ways and lift their attitude. And, and just so finding ways to bring humor and laughter into their lives is always welcome. And then I would say 
be aware that you might have to be more spontaneous with your hangouts because most people with chronic illness, their health fluctuates day to day, you know, so they might have a good day and they might be like, okay, I want to get out and do something. So just be aware that if they reach out to you and they want to hang out, do your best to be there for them. Um, planning things in advance can be more difficult because they don't know how they're going to feel on that particular day. And I know for myself, when I was struggling with insomnia, a lot of it came down to if I actually slept the night before. (laughs) So I would have to tell people, okay, well, I'd love to hang out tomorrow. I'll touch base with you in the morning and, you know, just see how I'm feeling. And many people were very understanding of, you know, that. So just be aware. And then the last thing I would encourage if you're a friend with someone who has a chronic illness, to not ask them about their health every time you see them. You know, it, you can show that you care. Like you said, Heather, like mentioned that you're praying for them. But a lot of people going through health issues, their health doesn't change a lot from week to week, typically. And so for them to have to say the same answer each time can be hard. So just know that if you're a friend and their health does improve, you will hear about it. They will be wanting to tell everyone who has encouraged them and prayed for them and supported them through that. So just know if there is a change, you're going to hear about it, but don't feel the need to bring it up every time you see them. And that's another way that you help them to see that they're more than their illness. They're not defined by that. That's not who they are. They're more, (laughs) they're a person uh, with other gifts and talents and skills and, and their illness is just part of their life, but it's not who they are. I would add, I totally forgot about this, but yeah, I would add, I had a pastor who was really understanding of chronic illness and he gave me permission to just rest and heal, which is very counterintuitive if you've been in you know, ministry for a while, you kind of feel sometimes that pressure to keep serving and, and you, you know, you're passionate about something. And so it was just weird coming from a pastor because it's not like you hear sermons about just rest, (laughs) you know, it's rare that you hear a sermon on that. And so my pastor literally, he said, Heather, he said, I don't want you to come to church if it's going to you know, make you pass out or agitate you. He's like, I don't want you to do anything. He literally said, I want you to be a blob, were his words. <laughs> and I thought, oh my, how like unspiritual, you know, from my pastor. But, you know, I found out after four years of dealing with this that, you know, he, he understood that I needed, I was someone who who didn't know how to stop. And it was, you know, he was trying to look out for me, but it was, you know, maybe to have friends that are encouraging you, Hey, rest, you know what? Uh, Just because we're all hanging out and doing this, you know, maybe you shouldn't commit overcommit yourself and kind of those reminders. Cause sometimes if you weren't born with the illness, you keep forgetting that you have those limitations. Um, and it's nice maybe for friends to give you permission to not overcommit. So that was another tidbit that was helpful for me. That's really good to bring up. And that segues nicely into the next question 
of how can someone with chronic illness still be involved in doing ministry in the church? Well, this was kind of hard for me to think through because it really does depend on the person, but I'll just share my personal tips just from, you know, where I was with chronic illness. The first tip would be to not compare yourself, not compare the new you to the old you, not compare your output or productivity with someone else. I think we can really be hard on ourselves. So that was, I'm a perfectionist, so maybe I'm just speaking from my personality, (laughs) but don't, I would just suggest don't compare, be reasonable, obviously take everything up in prayer. One passage that kind of stuck out to me, just from a ministry standpoint, but it also can apply here to Mark 5, 18 through 20 was the specific like verses. So there were two men possessed by demons and most of us would know this. So Jesus comes, heals them. The demons go into the swine nearby. And then afterwards, one of the men comes up to Jesus and asks if he can go with him. I mean, obviously he had this transforming meeting with the Lord and he's like, can I go with you and serve you? Like I owe you my life basically. Right. And Jesus tells him in verse 19, which has always surprised me. He says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And then he goes away and proclaims all throughout the Decapolis And uh, we learn later in the Gospels how much that had an effect on the spread of the Gospel. Um, But just like, just goes to show not everyone is sent. Not everyone is, you know, meant to serve in these specific ways. And some people are just told to go home, which was my story. (laughs) And, you know, and, and for a lot of, you know, this also applies to say women who have just given birth to a child or something, you, you're, you know, you're home all the time, you don't leave. And so there are these stages of life, I guess, us women can find ourselves in, where we are just said, you know, we're told, go home, minister at home. And he did, and he was obedient, although he wanted to go with Jesus, right? So sometimes we want to do something, but maybe we're told to go home or we're told to do something else and to make the most of that because God has a reason for telling us where to go whenever, you know, he sends us somewhere, even if it's home. <laughs> so ministry does look different when you're sick. Sometimes you're the one needing to be ministered to, and that can be humbling and that is okay. So just keep asking God. Sometimes he wants us to be the Mary instead of the Martha. And he says that that's good, that we're choosing the better way when that happens. Although it doesn't feel good when we're like, to me, it felt like I was being benched, (laughs) like put me in coach. Right. And God's like, no, just sit here (laughs) and it doesn't feel good. Right. But God has a reason for everything. And then the other way, and which I kind of touched on the other tip would be, oh, be open to new ways of serving. It might not be that you're, you know, going to be in the worship band or setting up and taking down chairs every Sunday or committing, you know, weekly meetings and these commitments. Cause you know, we talked about 
you know, one day your health can be good and the next day you can be in bed all day. So just be open to new ways of serving and God will use that. Just give yourself permission and obviously keep it in prayer. But that's, that, those are my tips. So good. Suffering has a way of turning our gaze inward. It can be difficult to bear our own burdens and we feel like I, I can barely carry the weight that's on me. How am I going to carry others' burdens? But it's actually, the scriptures say, you know, carrying others' burdens is actually a way that we help carry our own too. You know, taking our gaze off of ourselves. When we first direct our gaze to God, get his strength, go to his word for his strength, then we can direct our gaze outward and minister that strength and comfort to others. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, 3 through 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So God taking you through this challenge, this trial, and you finding comfort in his word you're going to be able to minister to others in a very unique way because of the suffering that you're going through. I have a friend who has suffered with an illness her whole life, and she said that praying for others, it was the best coping mechanism for her, um, taking her gaze off of herself and, you know, writing letters to people, calling them. There's things you can do from your home, but prayer is probably the most powerful way that you can serve the body of Christ when you have limited strength. Yeah, there, Amy Carmichael is a very, she was very inspiring. I read her um, biography when I was sick. She was a missionary in India, and I think she was bedridden for like 20 years at the end. And she wrote so many poems and hymns that still inspire people today. And so, yeah, even if you're in bed or just limited in what you can do, you can still, you know, God can still use you. So, And you're still still uh, storing up treasure in heaven. You know, your service looks different, but in the sight of God, it is just as well-pleasing as if you were involved in every single ministry at your church. So don't downplay the ministry that God has for you at this season of life, if that's where you find yourself. Yeah, Amy Carmichael, such a huge encouragement. Encourage the listeners to get their hands on any of her books or devotionals. Okay, so my next question, um, can you speak to the balance of praying for God to deliver you from your health issues, but also the human effort needed to be proactive in seeking a solution? You always have such good questions. <laughs> yes. So obviously pray, 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 never stop praying. The Bible says never stop praying. I feel like when we do stop praying, the heart behind that is we doubt God because if we knew how much God loved us and the power he has to provide for us, we really wouldn't stop praying. And so, yes, keep praying. There's also wisdom in seeking answers, obviously prayerfully seeking answers 
and just letting God lead you, I wouldn't give up on, you know, you know, researching and learning and trying to find those answers for your health issues, but prayerfully, because God's the God of hope. You never know when you're going to get that miracle, right? You never know. You never, his ways are beyond us. So I personally went to a ton of doctors, did tons of research, spoke to lots of people, you know, the scriptures say in Proverbs, where there is no counsel, the people fall, but with a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Like, let God use those resources. And then obviously praying for the doctors. <laughs> I wouldn't say, you know, some people don't go to doctors because, you know, God's the healer, but go to, go to doctors. That's my recommendation and pray over them. Pray that every blood test would be accurate, that it would lead you and your team of medical professionals to, you know, the answer. One of the passages that was exciting for me to read in my fervor of just praying over my health was Luke 18. Jesus was talking about a parable. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and asked and saying, give me justice against my adversary for a while he refused but afterward he said to himself though i neither fear god nor respect man yet because this widow keeps bothering me i will give her her justice that she does not beat me down by her continual coming and the lord said hear what the unrighteous judge says and will not god give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night will he delay long over them i tell you he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, um, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Like, will we be coming to him with our burdens? He says, cast your burdens on me. Will we be coming to him? Will we be asking him? Will we be seeking him? So again, that's prayer. I would say is everything It's going to be everything. Just keep praying, seeking God. But then, you know, to answer the next part of the question, like what's the human effort? I like Isaiah 30, 21. It says, and your ears shall hear a word behind you, you know, God directing, saying, this is the way, walk in it when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. Like the idea of we're going, we're still walking, we're still living and we're still seeking and God's going to be kind of that still small voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. So I wouldn't just stop, you know, but just keep going and trusting God. So that's just my encouragement. Yeah, that's such a good reminder. And, you know, I think some reasons why people would be hesitant to pray about this is that they feel like it's praying kind of in a health, wealth, and prosperity manner if they pray for their health to improve. But I think, you know, we see in the Bible clear examples of people who prayed for things like that. And that wasn't wrong to do that, but you should also be praying that God would give you the wisdom for the right course of action. You know, God can do a miracle. He has done them in the past, but he most often works through common means and common graces like doctors, the medical professionals. That is more likely where an answer is going to come from. So. Pray for wisdom 
And many people who have gone through health crises have done a lot of their own research. And I would just encourage you to be careful of that research. Maybe you need to enlist help of others to do that because it can lead to depression or despair because as we all know, the internet has a lot of information and it can be daunting to try to filter through all of that and come to your own conclusions. So I would just say, be careful and mindful of how that affects you. If you're someone who's easily anxious or worried, doing your own research might not be the best course of action for you. You might need to just leave that to the doctor who has done that research and who who can continue to walk with you through that, but you don't have to carry that burden yourself. Or maybe you have a family member or a friend who's willing to help you in that way. So just be mindful of not causing yourself to sin, even in the pursuit of answers. And you need to, you know, cultivate chronic hope in the midst of chronic illness. Don't despair. And it can be easy if you're walking through a journey, a health crisis that goes on for years that you just lose heart and lose hope and kind of give up in a way. And if you find yourself in that place, enlist fellow fighters, ask people to help you, you know, find those friends who are going to help lift your arms and give you the courage and motivation when you are lacking it to do it for yourself. So that's going to be really helpful in the long run when you find yourself walking this uh, arduous and long climb upwards to seeking solutions for your health issues. Okay, so the next question, what encouragement can you offer a woman who is battling undiagnosed health issues? So this question really hit home. Obviously, I shared I spent four years struggling to get better, but I have a twin sister who I love so much. She has been very ill for the past 12 years and more recently has been mostly bedridden. Yeah, her only hope is Christ. It's very hard on all of us. So when I was I was preparing this answer, it was almost like I was speaking to her. So the saying is true. You probably have heard of it. When God is all you have left, you realize he is all you need. And I totally understand having the rug kind of ripped out from under you. You all these earthly things that we've held dear you know, health and, you know, maybe jobs or friends and, you know, different things that we thought were just constants in our life. And then all of a sudden we get sick and it's all gone. It can be very devastating and there is a grieving process. Again, I feel like the theme we've just been naturally, Christy and I have been naturally talking about has been keeping our gaze heavenward keeping our gaze heavenward and just um, what we focus on will be magnified. And so we want to magnify the Lord because he is our answer. He is our life and our breath and he is our savior. And just focusing on his glory and his, you know, passion for salvation and his kingdom will really help us make these kind of these lightened momentaries, what scripture calls it, these afflictions 
that uh, are weighing us down seem like they disappear. And that was true for me. And I did hear a quote once that Satan's biggest ploy, you see it in scripture and, you know, it's probably in our lives is to get our minds off of the Lord and get us to forget how much he loves us. So those, when you take away God's love, you can get into some really dark places and that's what Satan wants. And that's what he did in the garden of Eden. Like kind of putting doubt in their minds. Like, did God really say like, he doesn't want the best for you. You got to really fight that. Then there's, you know, just speak truth to yourself. And again, that comes from scripture. Keep reminding yourself of truth. There was a, a passage that was really key for me to just kind of getting excited every day. I would I read it a lot. Second Kings six talks about how I think it was like the Syrians or something. Anyway, this, this force was coming against Israel and Elisha and his servants who was kind of freaking out were watching this and, and Elisha's like, you know, don't be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, Oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around them. And it's just crazy. Like the resources and the power God has, like, that's amazing. You know, there's so much we can't see. Um, And that just takes faith. And definitely, I would encourage you to hold on to faith. You know, I went through a period where I didn't think I was saved. I mean, it was really a dark place. I didn't, there, you know, I felt like so out of control in just my body and my mind. I was so sick. And just hang on. God knows. Trust God trust God every day, every second, just, just give your life to him and trust him that he knows what he's doing. That's so good. And I think one of the challenges that comes with someone who's battling undiagnosed health problems is that it can be misunderstood by others. And you might get comments like, are you sure it's not all in your head and, and things like that. So just be gracious to others And know, like you said, Heather, God knows. He knows exactly what's wrong. He knows everything, every cell in your body. Just brush those comments off that might be hurtful and keep moving forward because the one that matters the most, his opinion matters the most, the Lord knows your pain and what you're going through. So that should bring you great comfort in that. And you're not alone. There's a lot of people who are struggling with health problems that they don't know the root cause of. So it might feel like you're the only one, but just know that you're not and roll that burden onto the Lord. So my next question, sometimes a woman can put off big life decisions like pursuing marriage, getting a new job, going back to school until she's quote unquote feeling better and has her health under control. What encouragement can you offer a woman who feels stuck in her life because of her health issues? Well, that is, that's a tricky question because again, it will depend on um, where you're at and with your health. So 
I'm not going to give you like a, this is how you know you're ready or something, but just, <laughs> I would say seek counsel, be prayerful. Sometimes we may want to jump into something because we are really excited about it or we see it as a great opportunity. We might even feel called, but I think just with anything in life, right? Seek counsel, be prayerful, take a little pause break and do some assessment. Um, and usually someone who is outside your situation can give a more unbiased opinion. So be realistic, especially with health limitations, because you don't want to push it and get worse. Personally, I, so my first, I think it was my first or second year of being sick. It might've been my first year. I was nannying for 10 hours a week and the rest of the 150 or whatever. So hours I kind of sleep. <laughs> so that was my life. I would nanny because it kind of gave me that outlet. I was still holding on to just trying to provide for myself and, you know, be with people. So it was, it was helpful. So, you know, meantime, I, I met a guy who, you know, we started dating and he wanted to get married and, you know, it was so exciting, but I was kind of looking ahead and thinking like, wow, wedding expenses and all these things. So without asking or telling anyone, I got a part-time job as a counselor in a group home for girls on parole. My first day, I almost got stabbed to death and I only lasted about a couple weeks. Okay, this tanked me so much that I actually had to quit my other job. And the few months left that I had before the wedding, it was like I lost a lot of weight and got really sick. Not the best experience. So <laughs> I'm not saying don't work, but again, I made a decision out of anxiety and feeling pressure, and I didn't seek counsel. So I, I don't even know if I prayed about it. I mean, I just kind of jumped in. So obviously, um, especially with chronic illness too, you got to be way careful, but it's not impossible. I'm not saying don't get a job or don't get married or, but just be really prayerful because you want God to be the one guiding and not your own impulse or anxiety. Because it is hard feeling benched, like I said before, and feeling stuck, but keep holding on to God. There's a season for everything. And just because you're sick doesn't mean you can't work. And just because you're sick doesn't mean you can't get married and be a mom. God's above all that. So let God be the one to decide and don't limit God is my suggestion. That's a good suggestion. And I would encourage the listeners to not make decisions based on fear of the future in this regard. I think it can be easy to, if you have health issues, you have a measure of uncertainty about your life and committing to long-term plans like a job or going back for a degree, that can be really difficult to do when you're not sure what your life will look like next year or the year after. So if you're having trouble committing to doing those things, but it's basically because you're fearful about what could come I would say deal with that fear. Take it to the Lord. If he's brought an opportunity to you and you've sought counsel and prayed and there's no red flags, you know, go for it and trust the Lord that he'll give you the strength to commit to that new thing. 
one of the stories I really love, Moses, well, there's so many stories about people focusing on their weaknesses, but God tells them, you know, go, let my people go, tell Pharaoh. And he says, well, I, you know, I don't speak well enough and kind of looking at his own weakness and God still called him like, it doesn't matter your own weakness. Like God is the one that's going to do the work. You know, another one would be like when the Israelites reached Canaan and they saw these like really tall, strong warriors and no, we can't go in. (laughs) And God's like, I'm the one doing this. So don't look at your own weaknesses. And of course they spent 40 years wandering because of that, because of that mistake. But you know, yeah, there is that point where you got to let God do his thing and not focus on your, don't put your limitations on God. God is limitless. So God can do anything. Yes. Thank you. Okay. So the next few questions we're going to cover have to do with relationships. And I mentioned before that health issues affect so many areas of life. And this is one of the areas that it can touch, but Heather, your story and your relationship is so encouraging. And when you told me, it just brought so much encouragement to my heart. And I would love for you to share a little bit about how you met your husband and how he walked with you through that, some of those health crises that you were in. Yeah. So it was, I didn't think I was going to get married guys. I mean, honestly, I was so sick. And then it was my during that first or second year of sickness, my dad signed me up for Christian Mingle for a Christmas gift, <laughs> like Merry Christmas, get married. Um, and so there, you know, my mom and my dad opened up the computer and forced me to, you know, shop for men. It was really awkward, but anyway, my parents were so excited. So they told me to send a smiley face to this one guy that they thought was cute. I mean, it's as awkward as it sounds really. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to send them a smiley face. Then you'll leave me alone. Right. When we first met, I was really honest. It wasn't like I was hiding anything. I, I think I even put it on my profile, like bedridden or something. I mean, (laughs) and yeah, this one guy, you know, I guess he liked my smiley face. So yeah, we just started talking and then he said, well, let's meet up. And we met up at a mall and halfway through the date, I basically got so weak and dizzy that he had to like drag me around. I mean, it wasn't a very glamorous first date. I thought that was the end of of that, but he wanted more. So we met again and I think the second date I recommended hiking for some reason. I really wasn't in my (laughs) right state of mind. And again, I passed out. He had to drag me back to the truck. And the rest of the date, I was asleep while he was, I guess, talking to himself. I have no idea what he was talking about. He thought it was a great date, though. And a year later, I think it was a year and a half later, we got married. So that was our experience. And I never, I never imagined God doing something like that. But Again, God can do anything. So that's our dating sort of relationship in a nutshell. (laughs) Oh, thanks for sharing that. And for those who are going to be starting a dating relationship, 
how early do you think they should share about their health issues? You mentioned you put it on your dating profile and it was pretty evident from that first date, but for someone who maybe can hide it a little bit better, when do you think they should bring that up to the other person? Well, it depends, obviously, you know, something to keep in prayer, but my advice would be definitely start the conversation when things get serious. You know, usually when you're starting to have like, you know, those conversations, deep interview conversations, the conversations turn more personal. I would definitely bring it up. There's nothing to be ashamed of. There really isn't. I wouldn't think of, you know, I wouldn't bring it up like I'm so ashamed, you know, it just, um, it's something God's given to you. It's something that is part of um, your story. And so again, take fear out of it. We don't live in fear. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So just kind of, you know, pray and prep yourself for that conversation, but I wouldn't hold back, you know, especially when things get serious, don't be afraid to put it out there. Yeah. It's probably not first date material. You know, you probably shouldn't share the nitty gritty about your symptoms, but as you build trust with that person and as they get to know you and care about you, you know, those conversations should be a part of it. And it actually dating with an illness can be a blessing in disguise because it can weed out the men who might have a more shallow view of marriage and commitment. I have a friend who was wheelchair bound because of an illness, but her now husband was not daunted by those circumstances. He actually had people trying to talk him out of marrying her, even like the week of their wedding, because he was going to be a missionary and they felt like she wouldn't make an adequate life partner for his life uh, ministry calling. But they're happily married and her illness has not thwarted God's plans for their lives. And he's a missionary and being very fruitful in the ministry that the Lord has called them to. If the person that you're dating doesn't mind the challenges of your living with your health issues, that those those challenges might come along, you should embrace that relationship and embrace them. I know it can be easy to shrink back and wonder if you're going to place an undue burden on them. But if they don't mind, then you shouldn't mind either. And God could be bringing them into your life to help carry this burden with you, to walk with you through that. So God's plans are higher than our plans for sure. And that, you know, just leads into the next question. A fear that a woman can have is that her chronic health problems would make her not be an adequate help meet to a future husband. Did you ever have those thoughts and what truth did you remind yourself of? Yes, I definitely had those thoughts. I was shocked by the progression of our relationship every step of the way. <laughs> I probably just wasn't trusting God enough to, but um oh yeah, definitely. I didn't think I could have kids. I didn't think, you know, I thought marriage would, you know, I can barely take care of myself, right? How am I going to take care of a family? You know, these what ifs and doubts and, you know, valid too, you know, it's not like it wasn't, you know, totally blown up in my mind, but God works way beyond our situations and he's so powerful. I mean, he can do whatever he wants. And so that's 
what happened. So despite my fears, you know, got married and God provided for me. And, you know, sometimes I would be bedridden, but he also provided for my husband, just that grace and peace and strength that he needed. Don't discount God, you know, the miracles that he does for us every day. And don't, um, I have this one friend who she was bedridden for a while and just kind of learning to trust God through that. And she was taking birth control and then she kind of felt God nudging her. Like, do you trust me? And well, yeah. And then kind of that idea, like, why are you taking birth control? And so God was calling her to trust him in that way too. And knowing her story, I was like, wow, uh, (laughs) I don't know, but God provided for her. She had a healthy pregnancy, healthy baby. She's a great mom. Um, Again, she has a lot of support, but God can do anything, you know? And sometimes he calls us to marriage, even though we're like, what? So God's the author of marriage. You know, he's the one who brings us together. He's the one who we make vows to. He's the one who kind of puts that seal on us in marriage And it's not about our efforts. It's not about like we decided like we're, you know, this is marriage. It's our own doing like God's the one it says like, you know, therefore what God has joined, let not man separate. Like God's the one who's going to put you together. So that was really comforting. Like, it's not about my efforts, (laughs) how good I will be, or, you know, my productivity, you know? Yeah. And, you know, we all come to marriage with a set of imperfect circumstances. Some people go into a marriage with a lot of debt or emotional issues, and some of us have health issues. So we're not, I don't think any person walks into marriage completely perfect. And the person that you marry, the man will be imperfect as well, but your issues, you know, your imperfections will look different. But I think what can be very encouraging and inspiring to a man is to see a woman who going through something as difficult as a health crisis, but yet remaining joyful and trusting in the Lord, you know, those character qualities are gold and they will see that and they will see how you respond to trials is so valuable. So that can be a real draw to the right man when he sees how you respond in that way. So the last question today is, how did your now husband respond and encourage you when you were dating and he found out that you had health problems? You touched on this a little bit, but do you have any other things you want to share? He was very patient. I mean, he's an amazing guy and I, you know, I'm just so thankful for that, but he was patient. He, you know, we'd go on dates and a lot of times we would just sort of sit in his car and chat so I can kind of recline because it was hard for me to sit upright for long periods of time. So he would like, you know, help me recline. And then sometimes he would just talk at me if I'm like unresponsive, but just really, (laughs) it's not like we were doing you know, go-karts or skydiving or like crazy experiences. I mean, he was just really chill. So that was nice. And, you know, we did a lot of Bible study together. 
just sitting down or I would be lying down and we would just talk about scripture, what we're learning. So he, he, I didn't feel like pressured, you know, there wasn't any, like, it's all in your head or any discouragement. He was encouraging me to go to all these doctors and just kind of being a part of that team. Um, it wasn't like, how many doctors do you go to? Or how much is this costing? You know, it was just how can I help, you know, and just researching more and just getting his family to pray. And so that was good. I mean, he was, he was definitely a good teammate during that time. And you mentioned to me before about how after you were married, you and your husband just both made this a matter of prayer before the Lord. Can you share a little bit about that with the listeners? Yeah, well, we were obviously praying so much because it was, I did actually get worse after we got married. I think that that job I took <laughs> at the, at the girl's home and then, you know, planning for a wedding and just adjusting to the new life was really hard on me. It, it really was. And I got sicker a lot faster. And so we, I mean, there was just a lot to Lot of lots of learning curves just in general, but with my health as well, things things were changing almost daily sometimes. And so we definitely have to rely on the Lord. I finally got diagnosed with Lyme disease. It was four years into the illness. So it was like a couple years after we got married. And that gave us perspective. But again, the treatments for Lyme disease, if you're familiar, can be pretty invasive. They want you to put a port in your neck and, you know, you have to go in daily or every other day for, you know, IV treatments and it's pretty intense and we just didn't have the money for that. So yeah, we, we fasted and prayed after that diagnosis and God kind of brought someone along who said, Hey, I've heard, you know, people having success with this, try this. And we did. And like within a week I was on the road to recovery. My husband said that he didn't know me anymore because he had only known me sick. And then I think it was a few months later, I finally tested negative for the illness. So it was pretty dramatic, but again, God provides, you know, and, and I don't think it was a coincidence that during that time of fasting and prayer, you know, he provided the answer. So it's all glory to him for real. (laughs) That is so encouraging. Do you have any resources that you want to recommend to the listeners for people who are walking this road, books, sermons, anything like that? Yes. So I, um, you know, when you're bedridden, you just do a lot of reading as you can. (laughs) Um, And I really dug into specifically to my, so this might not apply to everyone, but specifically to those suffering with burnout and just those chronic fatigue type illnesses. I do recommend Weary Warriors. You can get well after burning out by Carrie Kaufman. Also one that was more the science behind sort of those fatigue illnesses, the hidden link between adrenaline and stress the exciting new breakthrough that helps you overcome stress damage by Dr. Archibald Hart. He's a Christian doctor, but he doesn't really 
he in the end he sort of shares about his faith and more like sort of the faith link you know but it was more just like biology which was really helpful when god weeps by johnny erickson tata i love that one and it also has in the back some of the it has a couple chapters on just like verses verses per topic like you know pain or whatever i mean it's really great resource i was encouraged to not just to focus on resources about illness but obviously we have been talking about focus on god magnify him i would just recommend anyone reading god's passion for his glory by john piper wow i mean it just takes you your focus off anything of the earth and just gives you that passion for god's glory that was really helpful just restoring that joy as i looked daily in like god's presence was really nice and then we touched on amy carmichael she's amazing anything from her hudson taylor his story involves chronic illness and he was a missionary in china i appreciated reading just you know different missionaries was like encouraging gladys aylward missionary in china again she had some intense chronic illness that she speaks about and reading about people in ministry that go through things like this and yet still focus on god is kind of contagious i loved that you know just adopting their perspective of just worshiping god through it was helpful and then lastly the truth in life conference at the masters back then the masters college in 2014 one of the professors at the college at the time was dr robert somerville and he was just coming out of a severe bout of chronic illness when i was just entering it at that time and i went to one of his seminars and he spoke about anxiety and depression and really resonated with me so we got in touch with each other and his illness i think was brought on by stress i think his two kids got married like weeks apart and he was just he got very weak shaky lost all the weight and his emotional state was so bad that he needed uh, medication and 24 7 care so the pastors and staff at you know the master's college would take turns sitting with him so his wife could do things and he just immersed himself in the word and has tons of resources but i'll share some with you um he was by the way he was able to get back to teaching and ministry but he did say to me he says but i take a mat everywhere i go so anytime i need i just drop and take a nap <laughs> i'm like good for you but dr somerville he's just amazing anyway he told me to read philippians over and over and then depression a stubborn darkness by ed welsh a praying life by paul um, miller and his encouragement to me again i was just entering this time while he was coming out of it and he said focus on magnifying god like when your body kind of goes through a crash a lot of people with chronic illness we kind of have the you know energy and then we crash and so when we crash it can be really scary a lot of times our brains don't work i would have trouble breathing they're just it becomes a very like anxiety it can be anxiety producing and so he said just keep focusing on god like you know keep repeating i love you lord or you know i trust you lord i trust you lord especially during those times so 
that was encouraging. He said Valley of Vision was another book. Anyway, he had tons that he emailed me and it was just really good to have someone counsel you who had gone through the same thing. Yes. And like we talked about, like we can comfort others with the comfort that we have been given from God when we walk through that valley. So I'll definitely link all those books and recommendations so the listeners can take a look at those. A couple that I would recommend too would be Trusting God by Jerry Bridges and The Power of Suffering by John MacArthur. We're not offering a magic pill answer to your health problems, but if you can change your perspective and attitude in the midst of that health crisis, that is going to make such a difference. And be praying, Lord, you know, I don't want to waste this trial. Teach me what you want to teach me through it. Help me to be teachable and humble to receive this from your hand. Just be beseeching the Lord and praying that way also. Heather, is there any parting thoughts that you want to leave with the listeners today? Sure. I just, I mean, we've covered it so much, but you know, trust God because he can lead us to some pretty amazing places if we let him, you know, when we feel limited, give that to God and realize that God's not limited, you know? So I would just say, stay hopeful. God is the God of hope. Keep trusting because he hasn't stopped working. He doesn't sleep. He's always caring for you and he, he does have a plan. So yeah, just let him lead and trust that. Amen. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that encouragement with me and with the listeners and just helping propel our hope through this life and through these trials so that we can smile at the future knowing that God has us right where he wants us in his hands and we're right in the middle of his will. 